Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Element. Look, one of the things that we see regularly is that people strip out carbohydrate or they do some intermittent fasting as a way of getting to caloric deficit. And one of the things that happens is they end up feeling bad, but they feel bad for the wrong reasons. And why is it they feel bad? Well, it turns out when you start fasting, you blow through all your glycogen. And one of the things that happens is you start excreting more electrolyte. And then subsequently, because you're not eating food or you're going low carbohydrate, you don't eat, you don't replenish that electrolyte anyway, because you're eating clean, whatever that means, right? And clean, and when this term means no salt. And so you can actually feel better. One of my favorite applications of Element when people are toying with going keto for various reasons, or they're fasting, or they uh, you know, are going low carbohydrate for whatever reason, we're like, up your salt, feel massively better. Yeah, I mean, I really think it makes a huge difference in how people feel, including like stopping people from having the 4 p.m. slump where they just oh, feel like they need to eat candy or drink a bunch of caffeine. Do you remember when people would come in kind of fasted to the gym and I used to keep salt around and I would break off a little salt tab and be like, hey, you're kind of sucking. Put this under your tongue and they would just come back to life like wilted plants. Anyway, huge fans. We literally drink Element every day in our house. Right now, if you order through our link, you get a free sample pack with all of Element's flavors. So go to drinkelement.com slash TRS. That's drinklmnt.com slash TRS. Do it. Hey, everyone. We just want to take a second to remind you about our latest book called Built to Move, which we are delighted to report just became an instant New York Times bestseller. Now, what we did in this book is try to take 20 years of working in some of the most crazy high-performance environments with high-performance athletes and distill those best practices into simple behaviors you can integrate into your busy life to feel better and to become more durable. We've also found that these habits are the things that move the needle for the most for us as individuals and make us feel good in our bodies. Now, one of the cool things about the book is that we have a 21-day challenge built into the book, but sometimes you want a little bit more. We've also created a follow-along video companion that goes along with that. You can go to builttomove.com to learn more and join the 21-day Built to Move challenge. On this episode of the Ready State Podcast, we are delighted to welcome John Gregory, who is the founder and CEO of Vitruvian. Now, Vitruvian is a, I think the right term is a resistance training technology. And for full disclosure, I was sent a Vitruvian platform to just tinker with. Zero connections. No strings attached. No strings attached. See what you think of this. And I was really blown away because you know I'm a little bit of a doubter about all things technology when it comes to fitness. Yeah, but I mean, this thing arrived at our house and I found that both you and me and our daughters, like we just sort of, were, we gravitated towards it and started playing with it and using it to train in our garage. And, you know, one of the things we like about it is it doesn't take over our life. It's really minimalist in, in size. Yeah, and what I find is that a lot of this sort of resistance technology that we see other companies, you end up being limited ultimately by how much force you can put into it. So I'm like, oh, this is good if you're a beginner. This is good if you're intermediate. But if you're really, really brutally strong, this stuff, you're beyond these things. And what I found with this Vitruvian is you're not. The other thing I find is that people understand it intuitively and it potentially gives access to resistance training for people who don't identify with a barbell or a kettlebell. I agree. And the other thing I loved about the conversation was just learning a little bit more about what it was like for John, who didn't come from, 
I mean, he had similar experience, but he didn't come from a hard goods technology company background and how he figured out how to apply his own background to starting this company and also some of the challenges they faced during the pandemic, oh, just what it was like to so sort of build a company and grow a company during that time. Especially based out of Perth, Australia, which was really tricky. I mean, all our friends and coaches in Australia were shut down and isolated. So sort of the the curtain falls, doors open, mm -hmm. and this thing pops up, you know, which is uh, starting to make its way in the world. Juliet and I are interested. It was a great conversation with John and partly because we think technology and fitness is here to stay. We're interested in how people are solving these problems and seeing these problems. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. John, welcome to the Ready State podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, you are, a, I think the technical term in Australia is legend. <laughs> it is very early where you are. <laughs> Tell us where you're coming from right now. Yeah, legend in my own lunchtime. I think if you ask my staff, they, they wouldn't call me a legend. They would just call me funny old fellow. I'm coming from Perth in Western Australia. It's about as far away from you guys as I could possibly be. It's 5 a.m., but it's not too far off what time I normally get up anyway. That's me. When we think of world-changing technology or disruption in fitness and strength and conditioning, let me be perfectly honest, Perth doesn't pop up right away as the epicenter for, <laughs> for iteration and evolution. How did Vitruvian come to be in Perth? Yeah, interesting question. Like, well, what does pop up, G. Kelly? Where is the center in the world for fitness technology and, and resistance training? Uh, it's San Rafael, California, obviously, right here. Right, where you guys are, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good question. You know, we find that there are great pockets of sort of real thinking that happens, iteration. There are some super bright coaches in track and field. There are amazing coaches in, in London that we get to work with, sometimes around you know, states, there are pockets of real excellence, but I just, you know, Perth isn't on the radar of Americans, I think. No, no, that's true. That's fair enough. Seppos, as it were. What I'm doing here and what Vitruvian is doing here is just where I was born. Uh, it was where I spent a, a bunch of my childhood. I, I spent a career not in fitness and resistance training, which was which took me around the world. And I came back to Perth for family and personal reasons. On my own terms, well enough funded to be able to sit down and, and do whatever I wanted. And Vitruvian was kind of what I wanted to do. And I, but I think more broadly, as a company, Vitruvian is just proof of there really are no borders in the world anymore. You can do whatever you want from wherever you are. And in fact, a little bit of isolation is not a bad thing if you're trying to be creative and inventive and innovative. You know, a melting pot can be a creative place where lots of minds are, are working on the same things. But in the same way, being separated and being isolated can let you think in new and creative ways. And I think if you look closely at the Trivian, you will see some of that, some of the benefits of some of that. So I do want to talk a lot more about the Trivian and actually just what it is for our listeners. But before we get to that, and you mentioned this briefly, you had a whole life and I think multiple careers before you started Vitruvian. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? I know you have a background in physics. I think you worked in finance of some kind. So tell us a little bit about like the early John journey and how did you get into, care about, want to work in connected strength training? Yeah, sure. So I, I have a degree in applied physics, which is my first love, I guess. Um, I love science. I love fundamental sciences. I love investigating physical systems with technology and data. But then I spent, as you said, 
a first career in quantitative finance of all things because I just graduated and needed a job. <laughs> so say we all. <laughs> yeah, and ended up doing working for brokerages and then banks and then a hedge fund and then starting my own high-frequency trading company of all things, which was a fantastic thing to be doing through the, the late 2000s. So it was high-frequency algorithmic trading, high-speed computers connected with um, high-speed lines and at that time was, was absolutely cutting-edge ways to trade and we were really good at it and we did really well out of it. But when the markets were quiet, we had a bit of a gym in the back of the, the trading room. So we, in the office, we had a little bench pressing competition where we all just wanted to see if we could leave the under 100 club, which is one of, something one of the guys in the office invented. So, yeah, we we're all trying to get really strong and see if we could bench press 100 kilos. None of us actually got there. But, um, that was the genesis of the idea that at one end of the office, we were doing cutting edge best of the world work and at the other end we were just pushing metal around and it seemed a bit incongruous to me that in the 21st century this is the best we could do for resistance training so that was the genesis of the idea for surely you could throw some applied physics at this and some electronics and firmware and software and surely that would be possible and surely it would be engaging it would be maybe new maybe you could change weights in the way that you can't currently be full of data automatically track and progress and increment surely that would just be a good idea and people would like that that was the genesis of the idea and then early sort of mid 20 2010 and 20 and onwards i'm like well maybe i should just try and figure that out because i think it'd be good i think people would love it i think it'd be beneficial for the world i was looking for something that i could really really snack on for you know really chew down on for the rest of my life and vitruvian became all of those things and more and yeah, it turns out you can use applied physics and electronics and, and computers to build an adaptive, engaging, beneficial resistance training experience. And four years into Vitruvian now, like you can do it and we're going to do it and we're going to bring an amazing, connected, adaptive, convenient, efficient, effective ways to train to the world. Would you describe what the Vitruvian is and some of the ways that it differs from maybe traditional weight training or what other people have experienced with cable machines or other kind of connected weight devices. Explain it to us. Cause let me just be clear, everyone. I have one of these and that's why we're having this conversation because it's cool. So tell us though, explain to the listener what they would see and what they would experience if they jump on a Vitruvian. System. Yeah. And, and also maybe in like your most third grade kid way possible with your advanced physics degree, partly because I think some of our listeners often, you know, many of our listeners are into health and fitness, but I think maybe some people don't even really know what connected fitness even is. So if you could go down to the basics. Yeah, sure. Firstly, I'd say, I'd say that Vitruvian, although we are a product and a, and a service and a, an offering that, that members can experience, fundamentally what Vitruvian is doing and, and becoming is a resistance training technology company. So we focused really heavily on the first four years of the company's life in, in developing the ways to do this well from the hardware, the firmware, the software, the content and the ecosystem of, of how it all hangs together. So although we're a product, we're a lot more than that and the products that you see now will not be the products that you'll see in two to five years' time as we continue to grow and bring the technology that we've been developing to the world. but. In the short term, 
mostly how people experience Vitruvian is with platform that's about the size of a doormat, a little bit longer. It's about, say, three or four inches high. And inside that, uh, which is a platform that you stand on and has two cables coming out of it, which you can attach either a bar or handles to. It's a, a cable machine at that point. And then inside of that machine is two high-power motors that put tension on those cables anywhere from zero to 200 pounds per cable. And that's the nuts and bolts of, of the product. I mean, you can accessorize around that. You can put a bench on it, and we've got some more accessories coming. But that's the nuts and bolts of of the experience that people will find now if they go to the Vitruvian website. They would recognize the truth of that. And let me just say that one of the things I was intrigued with was like, oh, 400 pounds. Like, I can deadlift 600. 400 pounds is a lot for the average person. And a Vitruvian 400 pounds is a heavy 400 pounds. So I was always interested in it is I'm like, oh, look, I have this neat thing that just works for middle-aged people. Not true. This thing will be appropriate for someone who's just beginning strength training. And I'm like, oh, you really, really are a really strong mutant person. Well, welcome. You, we've got you covered there. But that's when I first saw this, I was like, okay, that's cool. We've got another way to deliver this in a way, this doormat package that could be wheeled into an office, that could be wheeled into a bedroom. That could, it really is. I mean, you can have legitimate strength training pretty much anywhere. I mean, this thing folds up on its end and we just slide it in next to our uh, one of our cabinets and it's just out of the way. Most of the time it's on the floor because the truth is that one of our daughters loves it. <laughs> That's good to hear. And uh, so she's into it. But that I feel like is the only connection between it and what people may have experienced. Can you tell what makes, besides the mechanics of the machine, which are cool, what makes it so unusual an experience for people? Because it really is different what you can do on it than other, other devices. Yeah, so I'll talk to that in the general sense that when we first started the business, we just wanted to throw as much value as we could to the world. So we, you have a mix of what you can do with technology. You can do sort of more or less choose the weight that you deliver and you can choose the format and you can choose how, how it gets delivered and shipped. And we just wanted to start with a blank canvas and chuck as much value into, into a proposition as we possibly could. And Vitruvian is, is what came out as a compromise or a, or a series of compromises around how we could bring this technology to the people. And it's somewhat counterintuitively, I think we wanted to be a product-led company where we just create a product and throw it out to people and not be too bounded by defining a market and, and asking people what they actually want. We just wanted to make something even a little bit alien and just throw it out there and see how the market reacted to it. You know, over four years, what we've learned is what the market has told us is that there's a huge amount of value in this proposition and it, t- it tends to cycle around convenience, effectiveness, and efficiency. And they're the, they are the, and they're the problems that we end up solving for community members in their own special context and in their own special way. It's very personal and everyone's problem solution set is a little bit different. I want to dig down on that for a second because Juliet and I, have been in and around strength conditioning for a long time and people send us a lot of stuff. We get access to a lot of things. And the proposition that most people say is we've created an entire ecosystem and we're going to have you come into our ecosystem and you have to exist in our ecosystem. And you can't actually break free of the bound. So I'm like, well, what if we want to do some intervals with some bike in between? It's really difficult to sometimes utilize other people's technology. Or what if I'm a powerlifter? What if I identify as a bodybuilder? What if I'm a crossfitter? 
And what we see is a lot of people, they're uncomfortable with creating an open-ended template in such a way that people can utilize this as a, as a tool any way they see fit. And I've already done a whole bunch of crazy off-label things on this thing where I'm like, I wonder if this can also do this. I wonder if I can, you know, do some other things with it. I appreciate that that sort of idea has gone in there that you've created an opportunity for people to integrate this into the things that they like to do. Has that continued? Are people getting the difference? Because if you don't know that you can use this thing any way that you want, you sometimes miss the utility. Yeah, absolutely. One of our, our mantras internally is that we don't want to tell people how to train. We would just want to give them the technology to enable them to train in the most convenient, effective, and efficient ways possible. So, for example, someone might just want to be doing powerlifting, squats, deadlifts, bench presses, but they've got little kids. They've got nowhere to, to put a, a rack, and Vitruvian can just let them do very, very heavy, effective sets in a setting where they're not going to hurt themselves or their family <laughs> wandering around. Now, that's, a, that's just one kind of use case where you can see that convenience and effectiveness is solved for that particular user. We've got a lot of people, I'd include myself in that, is someone who's just inherently interested in how their body moves and, and how muscles work. And Vitruvian is a fun way to, to interrogate your own self, to try new things, to try different things. And again, we don't want to be saying to people how you should train. The We all know that doing any form of resistance training is 100% better than doing none. And the most efficient method of training is the one that you're going to be able to do again and again and again and something that you enjoy and something that you want to do. So that's different for different people. And we're not, And if we are aspiring to be a fitness resistance training technology company, we can't be too prescriptive about how you do that. We just want to give you the tools to do it and let you solve for your own motivation and your own interests. And so far we're doing that and that's we have crossfitters, we have bodybuilders, we have power lifters, we have complete novices. And we've got early adopters and technologists who just like doing things differently and new. So it's a very mixed bag. It's part of what makes the, the company and, and product and the community so interesting. So I know there's an AI component to this, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that, partly because it seems like all we all talk about now is AI everything because of ChatGPT and all the interesting stuff with the Bing search engine. And there's just a lot going on in the AI universe. And I know there's something about the Vitruvian that incorporates AI, but can you talk a little bit about what that means and what it means in this particular context? And how do you even do that? Like, where do you even start? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I'll try not to go off piste here because it's something that I find very interesting and something that I is a bit dear to my heart. It's a buzzword. AI is a buzzword that is more or less true depending on who's saying it and how they think about their world. For Vitruvian, one of the fundamental things that I'm incredibly excited about that what we're doing as a company is we're building a network of machines that is out there gathering information about how people train. And at the same time of gathering information about how much they're training, and it's doing it in a completely you know, agnostic way. It doesn't, doesn't care who you are. It doesn't, it's not learning about you. You don't have to worry about this thing looking at you and in your bedroom and watching you get changed. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. It's not listening to your conversations no, no. at the yeah, dinner table. That's a big deal. It does not have yeah. a camera, which I really like. <laughs> yeah. As a network, as a network of machines and a cloud-based um, repository of data, it's learning from every single person and 
and every single member. It's learning how they how they want to train individually, and it's also assuming that they're training continuously or regularly on the battery, and it's also watching them progress. So we're really only just getting started in how rich a data set that is and, and where that's going to go. I'm incredibly excited about that because there's not many fields or not, or not many fields of endeavor where you're building a, a physically sensing network of machines that are physically sensing and they're physically distributing the results of that sensing. So, for example, ChatGPT is out there learning from every single piece of information on the web, but it's not taking physical input. It's not. It can't, can't actually do something and then get an actual result from the physical world. But Vitruvian is kind of like this analogous to that in the physical world where it's sensing physically and being able to distribute those results physically. I have to say that just for everyone listening, this is not chat GPT. However, the Vitruvian is, can be so difficult and you can come in as such a fit person and find such an amazing stimulus. It is clearly the dark persona <laughs> of, of strength training. It's the Sydney. It's the it's, Sydney. It's, it's Sydney. It is Sydney. And I'll tell you, man, this thing, this thing, I continue to find interesting, unique ways to just destroy myself in, a, in my garage. It's so awesome. There's a lot more we can ask about the actual product, but I would love to learn more about the process of trying to actually run this kind of business and make this a, and an actual have, business. You did this um, during the pandemic. I yeah, feel like and, Australia was shut off and then the doors open and Vitruvian pops out. But one of the things that came to immediate mind, because we experienced this on an, a completely micro level compared to what you're doing, but the pace at which technology evolves and changes and let me give you a micro example. Every time we need to build or rebuild our Ready State app, by the time we've launched it, we're already behind again. By the time it's come out, we're already like two years behind. And so I have to think with a physical product, did you guys try to sort of future-proof the product so that every time there's some amazing technological change, you're not like, oh, crap, we have to redesign this thing. We have to rebuild the entire thing. I mean, how do you even consider thinking about that? Because it's one thing with a piece of technology like we have that's an app, right? It's just this, you know, but you actually have like a an actual hard good that's sitting in people's homes. And how do you deal with that from in this crazy, changing, technology-driven world? A lot of questions there. <laughs> I can't remember them all. But I think you said some very kind things about what we did we're four years old. We were basically born and grew up through the pandemic. It nearly killed us at multiple times. I don't know how we got through as a company. And it's obviously, I'm just a small part of this this team. That we got through through willpower and just someday the world needs to give the people that work at Vitruvian a, a medal because it was, it was difficult. And we're still suffering from it a little bit now. But to your question around like how you do hardware technology, I think in hindsight, really what we did is think very, very deeply initially about what we're trying to do, what the opportunities were, what was possible, and what the right technology suite is to be able to build and grow a business and build and grow the technology over decades. And so we did a lot of thinking up front. And you can see that now when you look at our choice of material, choice of product, choice of product architecture, choice of way of connecting to it. If you look closely, you'll see a lot of thought has gone into building not just a way to do it, but the fundamental way to bring technology to the world 
in this context. So I think in short, the answer is you're right. When you go into hardware, it's a, it's a longer development cycle and it's kind of riskier because you have to invest tens of millions of dollars really at the end of the day to do it. So you've got to be pretty sure. But we did the work in the early years of thinking really, really deeply about what is the fundamental technology solution here that is going to unlock and bring technology to the world. I think we did a pretty good job of that. And I, um, it's one of the things I'm most proud of about the company is me. I, I believe we've made a lot of right decisions very early on about the format. And we're enjoying the benefits of that now and we will continue to in the future. One of the things that I love about the Vitruvian is that I can take it outside with an extension cord. I can have it in my garage. It's a stinger. <laughs> with a stinger. I can Shut take up, it. Mike. I literally can put it in my car and take it somewhere. Like it really is. If I had great parents, I would send my child to college with one. This is the dream, right? Because I mean, I will say what he's talking about is I'll be honest, John. When Kelly's like, dude, I'm getting this device of Vitruvian, I was like, dude. We do not have room in our house or our life for like another thing. We don't even have room for the box. Like we can't even accept the package. Like we have so much stuff. And Kelly's like, no, 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 no. This thing's different. And I was like completely skeptical. And I was like, this thing is going to live at our house for five minutes. And then it's going to overtake our entire life in our garage. And it's going to have to go to the dump. And I will say I was pleasantly surprised at how lean it was and how it actually can fit in this corner of our garage and then get pulled back out and used. And, you know, it just hasn't like taken over our entire life. Like that may be a minor thing, but but I think that that's a really significant thing. Like it has to actually fit into a variety of environments and not assume that it's going to take over all the space of your house and your garage and your outdoor gym or whatever. You know, Juliet is um, more interested in tracking and more interested in the use of technology to uncover kind of key truths of her own behaviors and her physiology. And I hate that shit. Let me just say it again. <laughs> I hate it. I do wear, you know, I wear- What he's a, telling you, John, is he's a purist. I wear an aura <laughs> ring, which is charging right now. I love that thing because it tells me about my sleep and it gives me a score based on my behaviors of the day before, which I really appreciate. That's the end of the use of it. I'm like, ah, oh, I run this experiment, I make these choices, and then I run, I sleep during the night and I get to see what the outcome is. One of the things that I love about your platform is that everyone has a phone and you haven't saddled me to another screen. You haven't saddled me to another device. Like my phone is there and it's really, it's really in the background. And there's two things about this, this thing that I love particularly. I can talk about all the things I love about it and gush. But one of the things is I can basically hack the software, the interface, so that I don't have to really interact with it. I can set my range of motion, which is incredible because with this device, I suddenly can protect people from specific ranges. I can work in other ranges. I can develop, have them develop force from specific ranges. It's like having a rack and doing rack pulls or adding pins or, hey, I want to protect you because your hip is like you've had a hip impingement and you have a cam deformity and I don't want you to deadlift below this. It's amazing how I can make the device fit whoever's using it. But then I can just put the phone down. I put a hundred reps on the thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then I just put the phone down and I don't have to touch it again. So I don't have to feel like I'm being led by the nose by this technology. And I, I don't know if you, you know that, but it's one of my favorite things about this is that I'm like, oh, phone. I always have my phone when I'm training anyway. 
I don't really use this device to track my thing. I'm sure the data on my my usage would be really strange for people. Like this guy loves this one exercise a lot. <laughs> but that piece that I'm able to use it in a way that it allows me to sort of respect my own love or dislove of, you know, all things tech, it really does feel like an old piece of equipment. Like it feels like I've always had this in my house. But is was that a conscious decision? I mean, was there an iteration where there was some kind of like TV or screen or something connected? I mean, was that sort of a thing that you guys considered from a business standpoint and tossed out or was it never a consideration? There are plenty of competitors who are like, you have to have the screen. It has to be in this place. And I hate all that. Hey, Ready State listeners, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Yeah, we did have screens, but, you know, back six years ago when it was prototyping because it was just easier to have a a human machine interface, which I could just push buttons on and, and test. But I think from the very early days, we wanted to use people's own devices because it's an extension of ourselves these days. It becomes a very personal and connecting the Vitruvian natively through your phone is a way of increasing the personal connection with the, the product. And by the way, it's easy to do that. I figured this out in seconds. It's so simple. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also, it just makes sense from a product development point of view. People have incredibly high-powered computing devices in their hands. Why would we go and stick another one on the product and make it more difficult to make, more expensive to make, more difficult to ship? There's a bit of a trade-off in that, in that we have to, the software's development cycle is harder and longer because we have to, it has to work on a lot of different devices. So that's a challenge for us, but we feel like it's worth doing that for the members to to give them a more seamless and more credible and and richer experience. But back to your comments around convenience and and portability and flexibility, I have one in my lounge room in front of my TV that you can't even see in my house because you just move the coffee table and it's, it's there, which is lovely. I've got a couple in my garage because I don't necessarily want to be sweating and grunting in my nice lounge room sometimes. And I've got the space to do it. Not everyone has the space to do that. And I can... I've got one bolted to the floor and I move another one around and I like experimenting in that way. But there's been this whole use case and this whole group of people that are buying them for mobility. For example, elite sports teams, we didn't even know this. They have a real problem in how they train their athletes when they're on the road. Yes. Even MLB, you know, pro baseball teams, they're on the road a lot and they have a real problem getting a regular effective stimulus to their athlete population when they're away so often. Are you saying the average hotel gym isn't meeting the needs? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Of the traveling professional yes, athlete. Yes, shock horror. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got these teams. We've got a bunch of pro teams in the US now flying with Vitruvians and sticking them in boxes and flying them on their jets around the world, or around the, the nation to get uh, to help them with, in this drink because they just can't stick a, you know, a rack and... 500 pounds of plates in the jet. Don't want to. Not You can. You just don't want to, and it's never going to happen. Yeah. So we're solving convenience in that particular, not a very attractive use case from a business point of view, but very attractive from a credibility and, and interest point of view. There are tens of teams out there. It's great. It's really great. <laughs> but we've also got guys in, in traveling around Europe in vans who want to still do heavy squats and deadlifts and bench presses where, wherever they are on their year-long sojourn. Yeah, no, this is, everyone, this is, we had some friend, Matt Chan and his partner had it, built a truck and they built this tray 
And they pulled out the tray and had barbells and kettlebells and dumbbells. And the truck ended up weighing like a billion pounds because they were traveling. It was, I mean, their setup was pretty cool. It was like enviable, but- Sheree and Matt, I'm shouting you out right now. Yeah, it was really cool. We. But I I saw this and that was one of the first things I thought. I was like, oh, this is traveling. Van life, van life. life. We've had people doing like um, 200 pound, 300 pound uh, deadlifts at 30,000 feet in the air, plugging them in in their jets and their private jets and and working out. We've got them on luxury yachts around the world. So- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These are kind of interesting use cases. Again, adding yeah. tens of use cases is so great. Yeah, you can't build a business around those use cases, but it's fun to see people. <laughs> it's fun to build a bucket of value that lets people find ways to train. Yeah, l- however you want to use it. So obviously there was the pandemic, so maybe I'll answer my own question before I asked it. But obviously you ran businesses, you know, you were like a heavy duty finance guy, physics background but what has surprised you or been the biggest challenges mm. for you, like as an individual with your prior skill set? What has been the biggest challenges for you? And let, let me tee this up. Out. Oftentimes we see people who have been successful in one business and they're really surprised that they haven't just been able to port over those same set of skills to some other business. Yeah, like what, what's been surprising, unexpected? You know, are there areas where you're like, oh, I, if only wish I knew X or if I had this skill set? You know, what's been kind of surprising to you just as a human in sort of taking a little bit of a right turn from a business standpoint and moving into this industry? Yeah. Well, I've never really felt like I had any skills, so <laughs> I didn't come come with uh, many preconceived notions of what I could do or what I'd be able to do. I just wanted to be – I just knew what I wanted to do and got going. And the pandemic has been – what surprised me about that was the – asymmetric and, and, and things that you couldn't predict about what it was going to do. I, I had no idea it was going to drive an, an incredible rally in equity stocks and, and a very a very distorting rally as well. Like it makes sense for some particular stocks like Peloton that got really kind of distorted in the, because there was so much demand, but there was just there was a rational demand across the marketplace. I didn't really see that. I, I thought when it happened, I thought, when that first downtick happened in, in sort of March 2020, I felt like that was the start of the biggest bull market ever. And it sort of played out like that for a little bit. But now the correction is has been – the whole market cycle is, did surprise me. I didn't see the distortions in supply chain being that – just didn't see that that coming and that really caught us. That made manufacturing doing it doing anything in hardware very, very difficult. I mean, who knew that, that, was, that the pandemic was going to cause a, a shortage in – in microcontrollers around the world. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was a real killer. I don't think we ever thought we would talk so much about the supply chain. I don't actually think I ever said the phrase supply chain until the pandemic. And then the the amount, you know, we actually were just buying a chair from this cool organization that imports furniture from like Denmark and Sweden. Old furniture. Old furniture. And the guy was like, oh yeah, before the pandemic, I would get these containers and they were like, $3,000. And now a single container is $25,000. But I mean, this is just like a random interaction I'm having mm. on a Saturday afternoon at a chair store. So yeah, I mean, the supply chain thing has permeated everything, including our conversations. Yeah. So you're saying that people are, <laughs> the some markets are correcting, especially in just sort of the, we saw a glut of technologies and businesses that thought that we would just be at home, stuck in our homes forever. And they went too hard in the paint or too big in the paint. 
Are you what, speaking of Peloton? Well, uh, just let's say the <laughs> the as a case, as a study, there are a whole constellation of companies like that. Was it daunting to say, okay, we're seeing what's happening and now we're ready to go? Or do you just have such faith in the differential sort of value proposition of Vitruvian that you just go ahead and march on? The company was founded over four years ago. We just ran as hard and as fast. We've been running as hard and as fast as we possibly can for four years. I think the pandemic, you know, we've maybe just landed on your radar fairly recently, but I don't feel like we're, we're that recent. We just couldn't scale how we wanted to with our first generation product. We just couldn't make it and we couldn't make it faster. We knew, like, well, you guys were big in Japan, big in Perth. No, we just, we just like, <laughs> we knew we had, I mean, we still know we've got the product for the world. We just ah, couldn't get it out. It was like, say, June, July 2020. Was absolute torture for me and for the rest of the company because we we could have sold a million machines in a day because the entire planet was wanting to do effective and efficient strength training at home and we're like well hello we've got a pretty good product for that and we literally could have sold that many in a day but we just couldn't make them so do you remember our coach friends where people would call our coach friends and be like okay I want a total body workout which already is just a horse crap conversation <laughs> to have. But they're like, I have this this green TheraBand and this pink dumbbell. Go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And, uh, people were like, well, I guess you need to go over and lift your couch up a whole bunch of times. I mean, it just you're right. I mean, people did not have all of the tools to do some resistance training and ended up being a real problem. I just think about our friends coming and going from Australia who are coaches who are in ISO, in isolation, and, you know, begging for like, can you give me a bike? Can you give me one dumbbell? I mean, you know, there was this thing, if there's one in your community, it solves all the problems. We also noticed that one of the flip ups of surprising aspects of what you're doing is that people don't seem to be intimidated by a set of handles. They seem to be intimidated by a barbell, but when that resistance is attached to something that looks like a handle, it doesn't freak them out. Am I right there? Have you noticed that? That's very interesting. I mean, when I initially envisaged the product, I saw it as handles being the most kind of flexible and sensible thing to put on it. It was actually one of our engineers who, you know, the first thing he did is said, well, we need a bar. And I'm like, mm, okay. He was right. He was right. She was right. But because um, so many people, just saw this, see this thing as, as a way to do like squats, deadlifts, and bench presses with it with a bar. So, I think again, it comes back to being a product for all people and having a, a flexible enough hardware architecture that lets people find their own ways to approach the product. So, perhaps if you're not well trained or you haven't had a, a great great um, training career, handles is is a great way to start. But if you've just been lifting the bar for 20 years, you're probably going to put a bar on this thing. So one of the things I want to ask you about is general accessibility, because at this point in time, I think most connected fitness devices, I don't know, if, is that even the right phrase to describe this? But Not really. We, we don't really use that phrase anymore. We have, no, it's not what, really. What phrase do you use? Like, what would you use? Oh, it's resistance training technology. That's who we, who we want to be. So at this point, resistance training technology is probably out of the financial reach of most people. 
Although if you look back across all technology over the age, I mean, you know, Kelly and I can go to Best Buy right now and buy like a 95 inch television for like a hundred (laughs) bucks. So, you know, I'm not like some kind of Pollyanna about the reality that in order to develop this technology, it's going to always start off being for the few before it's for the many. But presumably the costs of of the Vitruvian and, and other devices that are, you know, fitness related things that are connected to technology in some way or another, presumably the costs are going to start to go down. It'll be ultimately way more accessible to more people. Am I right there? Do you see that as the case? Do you think it it is going to start to be sort of a downhill trend in, in terms of financial accessibility for more? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Or are you guys just trying to stick in in a market of people who can afford to buy it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in that. We think the market at the current price point is in the millions. So that's enough to build a, a pretty amazing business around. If you look at the actual cost and you break it down to what a monthly cost is for a family, and if you want to attribute cost of capital across the lifespan of the product, it works out at around sort of $120 a month for hardware, software, firmware, and maintenance and support and coaches that you can call. So that's not for a family. That's actually reasonably affordable if you if your husband and wife both are going to like a, an F forty five or something like that you'll be, you'll be spending five hundred dollars a month. So we have a, a product and service offering that actually comes in way under what a lot of families are currently spending for that to get their resistance training. Now we don't do it all, but if you take that view, it's actually it actually comes in really really very cost effectively. But you're right, there is still a huge and underserved market of people who are in their 20s just don't have a family and just want to train efficiently and effectively and conveniently. We need to get a price to point down to more like $40 a month. That's very, very hard with hardware. And we're never going to compromise on the effectiveness of the hardware to do that. But the way you get there is through a product roadmap that is continually growing and iterating and by building a business that that really gets into scale because with economies of scale, prices come down as well. But this is a pretty typical kind of hardware product evolution roadmap. If you start a sports car like Elon, if you start a car company like Elon did, you start with a with a sports car because it's going to be expensive and the need and the market small. And then as you as you grow, you go down the, the price points. We'll take that view to some extent, but I would say there is a fundamental limit to how much this stuff costs. And actually, we are already delivering incredible technology at an incredibly low price. They look at this box and think it's pretty small, shouldn't be worth very much. There's actually a two-axis high-power robot that's landing in your home and you're not going to land any a robot cheaper than, than the Vitruvian robot. And the final thing I would say is people spend a lot of money building traditional weight stacks in their garage, you know, a cage, Weight weights cost a fortune. Like yeah, just the shipping alone. <laughs> yeah. Racks you can build, you can easily spend four or five thousand dollars building out your um your home gym in your garage. So we come in well under that already. I I think if you look at it in, in its totality, we're already incredibly cost efficient solution, and people are coming to us for that reason because we're cheaper than what they're currently spending to get the stimulus that they want. The Vitruvian is, um, I think it's interesting. I look through things of like, is this tool going to be useful if I am trying to just babysit someone's tissues and 
strengthening their tendons and I'm not really worried about sort of skill, but I'm just worried about physiology. And then I think all the way up towards, I have these Olympians and people whose lives depend on it. And I really need large loading and sophistication. And a lot of technology that's presented to us or tools that are presented to us end up not meeting that, that through line sort of necessity for me. And some of the things that have been really surprising was I'm a huge proponent of blood flow restriction training. And one of the problems with blood flow restriction training is finding a load that accommodates to you. So the load changes as you fatigue, as you're trying to work. Because really the magic of blood flow restriction, everyone, is that you are, we're putting a cuff around your hip or the top of your shoulder, and we're going to make the vasculature and the system work really hard. We're going to we're going to keep substrates in, and we're going to keep good things out, and we're going to make the body start to turn on a lot of switches. And the Vitruvian plus that, because you have this technology that constantly can adapt load very quickly and drop load to meet my resistance, it's like someone is, imagine if you had a spotter who's constantly moving the pin at like 100 times a second, making the load lighter, making it faster, adapting to what's going on. And that has been a game changer. Like that is an incredible resource. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is that I can program this thing for gnarly eccentric only movements, which means just heavy negatives. That's impossible. I can't say to my daughter, hey, go out there and back squat this, you know, heavy maximal load, and then I'll rescue you and come back up. You can do that effortlessly in ranges you're trying to control. How did you think about those use cases? Because they're very surprising with this. It, that's I haven't really heard about that that BFR. Uh, like I, we know we've got members that that use it, that do it. I've never done it myself, but I love the fact that you found a way and, and hacked a way to to do what you want to do and found new effective ways to do that. So that's that's a great little story. I think we wanted to, and we still want to take the elite ways to train and bring them home, like give give them to everyone. So I was at a at a major league baseball team a couple of weeks ago. And they're wanting to do isokinetics, uh, compound movement, rotational movements in isokinetics, eccentric onlys, um, isoload, and isometrics, because that's the cutting edge for them in, in how they manage their athletes' pain and, and load and progression. And Vitruvian can all do all of those things. You don't even know that they can do that yet. It's already in your firmware sitting there in there. We haven't exposed it to to the gen, general population yet, but... So I think that's who we want to be is pushing the boundaries of what's possible with this technology with elite coaches, professional coaches, professional sports players, and then let and then bring that out to the rest of the world so that, that everyone else can train like that as well. There's no reason why they can't now. There's no reason why we can't all be training in just the most effective ways possible and enjoying those ways to train in, in, a, in a safe setting. I think, again, it's a bit, it's a bit like starting with a sports car and, and bringing it, bringing the, the product progression down the layers. It's a tried and true formula of how to push technology, push it in an elite context for the benefits of all. And we're steadily doing that. I can't wait to see wattage and speed or velocity. I'm so excited to see those two things. That's going to crack this thing wide open. What has been your greatest sort of joy starting from scratch because it really does feel like this thing is from scratch what has been your sort of your personal like that's the coolest moment yeah maybe the foundational moment for me was about 18 months into the company where we'd had 
No, it was less than that. It was actually seven months in, into the life of the company after I'd founded it. We got our first prototype, which looked somewhat similar to the current machine now. It's bigger, a bit bulky, a bit heavier, uh, but it did more or less the same thing. Got it, landed it in this shed that we were working out of. I started using it for just playing around with it, seeing what we could get out of it, trying all these weird ways to train. The, the algorithm at that point was completely unlocked and it was it was kind of the wild west of, of, of trading. The thing would adapt and change and reps would ramp up and down. It was kind of crazy and fun. And I used this this first prototype for about a month and not really in a structured way, not just in a very experimental way, but somewhat regularly. And at the end of that month, I woke up and I'm like, I haven't really been using this thing like properly and I'm, I, I am stronger. I am feeling stronger, looking stronger. Well, you just woke up jacked. Yeah, you just woke up one Dude, day th- jacked. I want that. I wasn't like bang. I wasn't like huge. huge I wasn't Hugh Jackman in a month, but I was like <laughs> noticeably stronger. And I'm like, there's something going on here. Like we've, I think that was this moment where I'm like, I always knew that we could do something cool and engaging. I didn't know just how beneficial it was going to be that these new ways to train just how beneficial they were going to be and then i went down to watch my daughter's netball game just down in the local the netball park which is like in australia it's like girls basketball you might you might call it that incredibly popular there's people everywhere there's you know 50 games going on at any given time i was walking around there's people every thousands of people around and i'm like i almost collapsed in just thinking that we've made a product that is going to reach the world because we've built a product that is going to bring a benefit to mums, dads, kids, parents. We've done it. We've got it. It was an overwhelming moment. And I, I basically almost collapsed and went back to my car and sat down. And I was just that overwhelmed with the potential of the product and how we're going to be able to reach so many people with efficient, effective, convenient ways to train. And we're going to change their lives and, and make them live better, healthier, happier, stronger lives. So. In a way, seven months in, the founding kind of experience of the company and the guiding light for me of, of what we do for the rest of our of our journey at Vitruvian is, is reaching people and bringing them a benefit. Were you surprised That's that Vitruvian, really cool was, story. Vitruvian was available as a name? It's kind of not, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like it's not trademarkable because it's sort of a semi-generic name. And we actually have naming discussions in the company quite regularly about whether we should change the name or or not, because it's a, it's a significant name that's difficult to pronounce. Not many people know what it refers to. You guys obviously do. It refers to Leonardo da Vinci's drawing of the man in the square and the circle, which is again another another for me guiding light. I think, which is trying to explain that we're appealing to something more than just we're looking for elegance. We're looking for beauty. We're looking at not physical beauty. We're looking for a, a beautiful business and a beautiful product and service offering that that is elegant and a bit rambly at 6 a.m. in the morning. But you're good. You're landing the plane. Just thinking about your cool story about your daughter's basketball game. I do feel like, you know, we went through an era of fitness where cardio was king. I think CrossFit did a lot to sort of change people's ideas of resistance training and got a lot more sort of everyday people weightlifting. But I feel like the pandemic to me showed that we're still kind of stuck on like cardio is king mentality. And I will say I'm starting to see more and more people ask about and wonder about and realize that they should be doing some kind of resistance training. Are you seeing the same thing? Like, do you feel like 
sort of people are realizing it's got to be both? Absolutely. I think the ties, like probably still in majority, you know, like on this call and probably most of the listeners here understand that resistance training is, probably, is the one thing you should be doing before anything else uh, for your general health and well-being some, in some form. CrossFit, by the way, I mean, what an amazing organization and what an amazing thing that CrossFit has done for the world. Inventing your own sport, I mean, brilliant idea. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty radical, right? <laughs> yeah. Improving games. <laughs> yeah, we've got CrossFit as a user product and we'd love to be integrating more deeply with that community in the coming years. But I think probably still in the general population, when people think they, oh, I've got to get fit, they generally still think of cardio. But yes, I think it is really changing where there's so much more interest in just in strength training now, uh, functional training. It's really current, which is great news for the world, really, because it is it's just good. So yes, I guess we sense that. We sense that change. I agree. I sense that as well, just in my own community too. So it's cool. And you guys have to see. Yeah, NF2. NF2. It's science. Uh, before we let you go, tell us what you're looking forward to professionally or personally or whatever yeah oh so much i just i have a great life i have a wonderful life looking forward to my spending the year with my family my daughter's in her final year of high school she's working out looking forward to supporting her with that my son 12 year old son's got grade cricket trials this afternoon so i'm looking forward to going oh. and, and watching him enjoy the cut and thrust i'm assuming you, say, you have the same thing in baseball you know they get a certain age and then they there's this the local and then and the state-based team, so he's he's thrusting in that. I'm enjoying watching my my oldest twenty-year-old. He's third-year physics of all things, and he's doing. Yeah, he's enjoying doing quantum mechanics and quantum computing, which is fascinating for me. That's cool. That's personally a wonderful family life, and really enjoy them professionally. It's just a, it's an honor and a privilege to be working at Vitruvia now and still shaping the vision to some extent, working with incredibly passionate people who just turn up and, again, want to serve the world and bring resistance training to the world. I just love every every moment that I get to do that. And I think more focused in a more focused way, this year for Vitruvian is going to be the year of partnerships. We've, our first four years has been very much focusing on getting that technology to market understanding what people's problems are and, and how we can solve them. This year is going to be the year of partnerships. We want to really partner with major gym chains, major brands, and because we think, and I, I just think that that's going to happen this year because there's so much value to be unlocked for Vitruvian, for members, and for other brands where with a proper deep and rich partnership, we can really expand and break down walls, break down walls for brands literally and bring brands and fitness and resistance training experiences to many more people and effective ones, not just kind of silly and, and kind of ones that don't work, but effective. Right. We've seen plenty of amusements. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But effective brand extensions around the world. So that's me. That's Petruvian for this year. Easy. Awesome. Well, where can people listening to this learn more about your company and follow you all and you and keep tabs on the Vitruvian journey. Yeah, appreciate the question. So you can go to our website, vitruvianform.com. You can find us on socials, Insta, Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to Google John Gregory and we'll have a look on John Gregory. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Be happy to talk. Yeah, get busy. Buy a machine, join the community, get on the leaderboard and enjoy the world of resistance training technology. It's there for you. It's there for everyone. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, John.
Thanks. Pleasure meeting you guys. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it.